Hi, this is Alan and Leon. Welcome to episode 15 of Seize the Moment podcast. And we have a very special podcast for you today. We're going to talk about body image and self-esteem and what we did to overcome its incessant pull, this this need to maintain this body image or to look a certain way, to look like X or feel or be like Y yeah. or look like the person on uh, TV or in the commercials or in movies. Magazine covers especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. one thing I wanted to ask you was like why do you think we care so much about what we look like Mm -hmm. so i mean obviously kind of in evolutionary terms right we're always going to care to some extent or another about the way we look right and obviously the way other people look by extension so in a sense i mean we know from evolutionary psychology that you know kind of let's say a good physique right a sort of a good face symmetry right all of this represents good genes and health so to a very good extent or whatever very vast extent that these things these traits indicate to us that this person right in front of me is a good potential mate because obviously our children will have a very good chance of surviving and reproducing themselves but i like the question and the way it's posed from kind of obviously your end which was essentially like why do we focus on it so much and so i don't necessarily think that it's just pure evolution and pure kind of let's say genetics and you know sort of these character inherent character tendencies or traits what i do think is it's also cultural right so you actually see in different cultures or in different kind of pockets of cultures that some cultures like overly focus on body image where you see they're more sort of individualistic kind of more narcissistic right um kind of less communal right and then you have these other cultures that are actually way more community oriented and they're way more focused on values rather than they are on image Mm -hmm. so it's interesting how kind of those traits manifest it's like some cultures are like no no no, like body image is okay and we understand that it has a place in society and like but there are things that are more important than that and there are other things that we should focus on like being a good person right and then you have these other cultures that are like no 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 like this is like who we are right what matters is what you look you know social status and this is what we should focus on more whereas morality is like more subjective right Mm -hmm. this is more objective something you can see and witness so are you saying it's it's more of a like a factor of uh, it's kind of like social conditioning that puts that those kinds of pressures on us right i mean of course yes specific to certain cultures so Mm -hmm. maybe different values in different cultures but in general it comes from social conditioning pretty much not just well right you mentioned biology yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so it's a combination it's sort of like how we react to the biology yeah, what's interesting about it is, yeah, from a biological perspective, yeah, it makes sense. If you're uh, healthy, you'll click a potentially healthy mate. Maybe per- you ex- exhibit characteristics that are uh, quote-unquote strong and whose value system is that, you know, yeah. right? That depends. That depends on the culture. Depends on, um, it could be on the individual too. It might be not in someone's individual value system that like particularly they need somebody who's like really muscly or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody with intellect. Yeah. Uh, may also, yeah, there might be all these different factors. So I like, for instance, I don't have a problem from the biological perspective why, uh, why we care about uh, those things. But it seems like from this uh, social perspective and like the way we uh, portray celebrities let's say in uh, movies and uh, it gives off this feeling this insidious uh, feeling that like people need to kind of um, like try to look like this person or behave like this person because that's that's what's uh, being presented as um, the ideal or at least when you're presenting it in front as like let's say in a movie and you know that there's going to be so many eyes on this movie watching it. Mm-hmm. It kind of puts this pressure on the individuals watching this movie, knowing that so many people are looking at this and they're liking this, right. to look or behave like the people there. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know, uh, how useful do you think that is? Because I feel like 
and not just feel like uh, even in my own experience trying to behave like those people it it's like it's like an over expenditure of energy mm-hmm. it feels like or or of these like mental resources that kind of yeah. distract you from what may be more important it's weird it's like there's too much of a focus on body image yeah and yeah. and that's obviously what i like about you that you're a deep thinker and to you obviously from my perspective to you what's most important is like literally being a good person right which is not to say that obviously body image doesn't matter so and the point is i like, put an emphasis on it i would say right. yeah. yeah i mean i think to a certain degree like for instance um so Okay, I was I didn't know when we were gonna get to this, but like I had this in mind to bring it up, mm-hmm. um, and I've said it before in the podcast. But I noticed that a lot of things tend to be repeated in podcasts. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I used to be uh, three hundred pounds once upon a time, yeah. and then even uh, and then I would start uh, going to the gym, and that was a process of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, th- there were there were times like. Uh, and it's a, it's a pro, you, you know, it's like a, it's not easy to lose weight and all this kind of stuff. It's actually pretty hard. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, for <laughs> it's sure. Hard to for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe like in the beginning when I got into it, I really cared about body image. I kind of wanted to look like, uh, the guy in the movie or in the comic book or in the cartoon yeah. show or exhibit yes. all these like, for, for me, it was professional wrestling. Like when I was a kid, I was like, this is what I want to look like. Oh, okay, yeah. that's perfect. So, <laughs> like, yesterday I saw Hobbs and Shaw, <laughs> right? Which, uh, I told you right before we started, I really liked that movie. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Like, I guess if I really cared about uh, body image the way I used to, mm-hmm. I would see somebody like The Rock or, let's say, even Jason Statham. Mm-hmm. And uh, and especially them. Why? I'll tell you why. Especially, like, if you guys look at my hair situation here. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. If I really super cared about body image, mm-hmm. I'd be like, I want to look like either one of these guys mm-hmm. because... They're making it look good. It's mm-hmm. cool to be bald or, or close to bald. You do have the Jason like... Statham look, though. I, yes, I, but it doesn't help the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> it like, isn't. But, yeah, like, yeah, but then here's the thing. Like, yeah, I, I, if I try to adhere to stuff like that, it's weird. Like, what else could I be focusing on? Mm-hmm. And also, is that really important? Because here's the thing. You can look a certain way, but what if, what if you looked like the ideal person like in the movie let's say right you look like the rock uh-huh. but you don't have anything to say yeah or you don't want to say anything yeah. or there's not something you want to contribute uh-huh. or or the energy that you may be and i know i just said the word energy but it's fine no, feel, whatever yeah i'm not i didn't take you, it in no i just think okay. about what but like That's yeah let, let's say you there's a certain energy you may be exhibiting maybe it's not uh what if it's a not necessarily negative but let's just say it's not something that could resonate with somebody in conversation or you can't connect with someone or something yeah. like that. How important is body image then? Yeah. Um, I, what's interesting is in my uh, journey from once upon a time when I was like 300 uh, pounds, mm-hmm. I actually did start to have epiphanies about, it wasn't about kind of what I look like. It mm-hmm. was more about what I felt like if I wanted to have certain kinds of results. Like I thought I had to look a certain way yeah. to get... Uh, like I don't know like for instance one thing I used to really 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 care about was like uh, what girls think mm-hmm. or what my friends think and, and I'm glad you like brought that. that up yeah 100% mm-hmm. and like it's it was was interesting is when I noticed that I started to uh, focus more on how I felt mm-hmm. and how I behaved that actually had a better impact in my relationships I actually ended up meeting people and developing deeper bonds 
and having relationships just from changing my uh, behavior and my kind of my internal beliefs my uh inner game so to speak yeah uh but yeah this this outer stuff is important like for instance to try to be healthy right Mm -hmm. to let's say let's say you're you know you're going to the gym and you're trying to eat healthy because maybe your brain will function better or or your body will function a little more optimally Mm -hmm. and then you have more energy which you can bring to interactions or uh to other people or something like that and it might help you in those ways i completely respect that but to do it for those reasons of like uh you know like egoic reasons to Mm -hmm. just look a certain way it's it's also not bad. It's not like you're hurting anymore. No, right? no. It's just a, you're not going to be happy in the long run. So, and here's the thing. So, when I like that you brought up dating, and obviously for us it would be attraction to women, hmm. right? So, the thing is research shows, well, there are two sort of pieces of research, right? So, one, re- one piece of research shows actually like the sort of the hottest and the most attractive couples actually tend to have the worst relationships. So, because they actually are so kind of ego-centered and they know that they're pretty hot, they don't actually care to work on a relationship. So oh, the, wow. Yeah. So, the thing that we know about relationships is obviously it's a work in progress right it's not something you can just say i like this person this person likes me and then it just automatically works like you have to work at it you have to work at communication you have to work at resolution right problem solving and then also you have to work on negotiation here's the thing people who are super attractive for the on average right this is obviously not everybody they don't care they're like you know what if it doesn't work for me in the way i want it to i'll just go find somebody else and you see this a lot in celebrity culture where they constantly not all obviously again so but where a lot of them constantly sort of remarry right they marry this person that didn't work out then they marry another one they date a million people and they have like a million things going on and so it's for the most part on average again so they don't actually they think that like they are to some extent entitled and they think like okay i mean listen i deserve better than this which to some extent could be true but then it's like they're both thinking that way and they're like okay you know fuck this person i'm just gonna go find somebody else so that's kind of one piece of information and the other piece of research actually shows that when it comes to um, when it comes to sort of like attraction, right? It's not just physical. And what we see in research is that, like, let's say the people. And I'm gonna hesitate on this just because obviously I don't know what the sample sizes exactly are, and I'm mm. sure it definitely varies across the population. But what we see is that, like, let's say there's a threshold of being attractive, right? So in terms of like your physical features. So as long as you're pretty much like you know whatever let's say give or take you know an average level of attractiveness that all you have to really do and let me not also say all because it's sometimes hard but you have to really be kind so in order for you to get let's say the type of partners that you'd like right again also not sort of you know fully stated because there are some people who will be like no no no, i'm too hot for you understandable but for the most part right it's like your personality that actually matters as much as your appearance does so it's like if your appearance is let's say if we were to quantify it this is going to be hard but let's say 100 is like the best looking person right and let's say your appearances are like a 60 or 70 if your sort of level of generosity and kindness right is like let's say at an 80 or 90 then you would actually be pretty attractive to a lot of people for the simple fact that in terms of evolution right it's not only let's say it's not only the physical aspects or the physical features of a person that behavior Yes, so it's not only those things that are a good, let's say, indicator of fitness, right, or let's say of reproductive or potential reproductive success. It's also your, yes, your behavior. It's also the way you are to other people because guess what? Then you make for a really good father, you make for a really good husband, right? If, let's say, maybe even a provider or both of you would make for good providers. But the point is that the kindness itself can sometimes override the fact that, let's say, you're not on a Brad Pitt or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that actually reminds me of an example. Um, Once upon a time, Forget where I saw this. I believe it was National Geographic. Mm-hmm. One, this is like we're talking years ago. Yeah. I, I'm gonna say six years ago, maybe more. 
I saw they were they were showing this example of a bunch of cavemen, mm-hmm. um, and they wanted to get honey. They were hungry, and there's a beehive, right? And um, no one's willing to get it except for one particular caveman, mm-hmm. right? And the caveman uh, was, I mean, um, they all looked pretty similar, actually, in this example. Mm-hmm. I don't think the look matters so much, mm-hmm. but I'll just say that they look similar from memory. Mm-hmm. But, but the main point of what they were trying to demonstrate there was the one who went to get the honey and was willing to be stung by bees. The courageous one. The courageous one was views, viewed as the, the leader of men in that particular context. Mm-hmm. Now, why is that an important example? It kind of is a demonstration of, uh, yeah, they, they can all be cavemen. But, but the main thing is it's the behavior to... Mm, for instance, in their particular, in that particular example, the one who is willing to get stung and to get the food for everyone yep. is exhibiting like these stronger characteristics that are yep. viewed as um, respectable slash admirable. Yes. They didn't use a female, for instance, in that example, mm-hmm. so it doesn't exactly jive too mu- exactly with what you said. It doesn't fully align, mm-hmm. but it is important to demonstrate that behavior can largely uh, impact like how you're viewed yeah and it yeah. Sh- and it shows a lot of sort of character well not a lot but a reasonable amount of good characteristics that you may have because it's technically easy whatever not easy but it's random right to be born attractive or not and it's not that difficult obviously to even keep yourself being attractive i know people tend to think like oh my god it's so hard putting on makeup every day or let's say for a guy like working out or whatever Okay, understandable, right? I mean, it tends to be obviously tedious and can be sort of exhausting. But the point is to actually be a courageous person or to be a good person. That's the real hard work. That's actually very, very difficult. So if somebody can exhibit those qualities, especially over a long period of time, you see that that person is really obviously determined and also on top of that, most importantly, really caring. You know, um, I, I, I agree with you. I see where you're coming from. So I agree with your point. Like basically mainly my only thing is uh, this is not to be devil's advocate or anything like that It's just like I think it's all hard work Mm -hmm. It's just that the the idea is depends where you're coming from with it Mm -hmm. if if you're trying to go to the gym or put on uh, Makeup all the time and then use all these resources to just maintain the image. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. There's a sort of like um I don't know. It feels like... A, it, it, here's the thing. I uh, Again, I think we talked about this research before, like slightly, where there's a certain amount of uh, decisions you can make in a in a day uh, before you're kind, yeah. you kind of get mentally the fatigued. fatigued. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like it's part of that decision fatigue mm-hmm. to... Or it, it, it... Sorry, it adds to the fatigue that you may experience to try to maintain the body image. Mm-hmm. My place where I want to come from with this is there's nothing wrong with looking good. So I'm sure you can do that. But if you're coming from the place of I need to maintain this image, Mm -hmm. it's like there's this, there are these decisions and um, this sort of energy put into it that could be used for something else. Mm -hmm. Like what if you, yeah, what if you valued like uh, the health health aspect of it, right? Mm -hmm. But then because you're not so concentrated on maintaining this image, you're not using so many mental resources for that, mm-hmm. you can use it for something else. What it could be is, yeah, it's up to you, it's up to the person, right? Mm. But um, that could be very useful actually to somebody. Let's say they're listening to this right now and they actually realize like, yeah, I actually spend most of the day thinking about what I look like to other people. Mm-hmm. 
what else would I be thinking about if I didn't? Right. And then maybe they would take other sorts of actions or pathways. That's very general, though. No, no, again, that's actually... I agree with you. Yeah, no, that 100%. No, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a true point. Just the thing is, I, uh, I'm sure there's the example of somebody who... Um, May for there may be somebody who needs to work on something else once they've actually let go of body image, for instance, right. or somebody who actually has everything, their all their <laughs> ducks in a row. Let's say, right? I'm using all these no, silly goose never, time. Yeah, silly <laughs> goose time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like let, let's and then there's the example of the person who uh, mainly concentrates on body image, mm-hmm. and what if they that was the the last block they had yep. to uh, maybe taking other sorts of um, actions that uh, are a little. That have nothing to do with like monopolizing your uh, energy with that. And, I mean, it's also yeah. a pretty big block. That's so like the people obviously I you know some of the people I treat and then obviously some of the people I know, you know, kind of like my culture in particular, our culture in particular, right? I mean, there's a sort of shallowness in it, and so that sort of barrier of like, okay, how do I sort of intimately connect with people is literally their body image. Like, you know, I don't want to sort of focus on building my sort of um let's say character. I don't want to focus on figuring out what my interests are and what I like about people or what people would like or should like about me, but I tend to more so focus on what my appearance is and obviously how I look to them. So, I mean, for the most part, what happens is because it is so temporary, obviously. So what happens is a lot of these people who do like are, and again, not all right. And I don't want to, I don't even know what the number would be, but the point is that a lot of people who are sort of overly focused on their body image, not only are they miserable because their image is technically deteriorating every single day. Cause it's like, unless, so there's a sort of peak, right, of attractiveness. Like, let's say for men, let's say the most attractive person is somebody, a woman in their 20s, right, for heterosexual men. We know this. I mean, research shows this over and over again. And for women, I'm not sure what it is, but I think it's, if I had to guess, I think it's men who are a little bit older, but like in their 30s, maybe 40s, right? They kind of like like that sort of, um, the kind of the wiser look, right? Like this person is very sort of cultivated, right, experienced. Which but, is behavior-based. Right. Which goes to our point mm-hmm. uh, about behavior being a very important thing as far That's true. A, at least in terms of um, men's relationship, w- women's relationship to men, I should say. Right, right. Um, right. But I'm sorry, continue. No, it's okay. So, but yeah, so the point was that essentially when kind of when, when we talk about that, right, so there is actually a peak. So it's like, and since you brought up Hobbs and Shaw, right, I'm going to bring up Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right, a phenomenal movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. So in the movie, right, obviously he has this peak, right, where he's like, you know, at his best, like in terms of his acting, in terms of his look, especially because obviously that was really important in the film and just in Hollywood in general. But then there comes a downturn, right? And do you remember that scene in the movie where he's like, so let's say for you and I, right, for us to have that kind of status or that kind of power, just even for like a moment, would be like, holy shit, I can't believe I had that. Like now that it's gone, cool i can't even believe i experienced it right for him who's so sort of intertwined in this world and within his sort of you know kind of status and image right he was devastated remember when he was like when he met with the al pacino character and he's like oh my god they want me to be the villain he's like i can't fucking believe this this is awful and Brad pitt's character is like dude like really like you're crying about this he's like i'm gonna be in the spaghetti western i'm gonna go i'm gonna have to do movies in italy and he's like yeah from where i'm standing that sounds pretty good so like it's so interesting for people who are sort of intertwined in this sort of um let's say desire whatever you want to call it right this sort of yearning right to appear really good all the time that they lose it yeah he didn't want to look i i i also saw the movie he mm. didn't want to look like uh the bad guy yeah he or he didn't want to be the bad guy he wanted to be the hero character well, right. which is what he was in his heyday right and I would argue that that's because of what the villain entailed, right? Because the person who was the villain, right, in that kind of time period was the person who was pretty much washed up, 
who had nothing more to offer, right? They were no longer good-looking enough to obviously be on screen as the hero and to be marketed as such. So for him, right, the transition was loss of social status, obviously loss of appearance, right, loss of influence, importance, whatever. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people who do have that at some point in their lives, what they find is that it's very difficult to let go of. So like, let's say from an outsider's perspective, let's say one of us or whatever was kind of looking at this person would be like, wow, they're like so lucky. But then when you step into his world, which is why I really like the movie, he's incredibly lonely, right? He's so miserable and he can't believe that he's finally lost this thing that like he, apparently it seemed like he never thought he was going to lose it. It was just going to perpetuate. Obviously not the case. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is, and you were, you were saying this before, I just wanted to, I want to maybe expand on this a little bit. The basing your self image or aligning your, um, your identity with your self image is a trap. Mm-hmm. And you said it before your, your looks, you said deteriorate, right? right? Well, I would say this, if, if you're constantly in this, uh, cha- you're constantly changing yeah. your looks, uh, your appearance, um, the emotion, like, oh, 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 sorry, looks and appearance mainly, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to be identifying with that and basing, like, your confidence on that, then, yeah, you may have it at one point at your peak, uh, quote, you know, whatever you decide is attractive, mm-hmm. but that will change. And if you base your um, self-image, uh, sorry, if you base your identity on that, mm-hmm. then you're not, you, you don't have real self-esteem. You don't have a real... Um, if I'll coin the core confidence, I knew you were going to say that. I like, yeah. I actually like that term. Yeah. You uh-huh. won't have real core confidence. It'll be like a, a sort of situational confidence. Mm-hmm. And then do you really want that? Like I would say like to anyone listening, like if you, if you, if you're basing your confidence on what you look like, it's, it's just uh it's yeah, it's a trap. Right. Well, only. Right, so that I think that's a big distinction. Not to say that you shouldn't like care about what you look like, or let's yeah, say, but right. if you identify with what well, you look like, well, too much. I think too much is the kind of right way. Too to much, say. yeah. So it's like if you think okay. about right who you are as a person, right? Let's say I don't know, kind of just. A, I guess a combination of things a person can possibly be. Let's say I'm happy with myself because I'm attractive. I'm happy with myself because I'm smart. I'm happy with myself because I feel like, at least for the most part, I'm courageous. I'm happy with myself because I'm kind, right? So if you have all of these different qualities, the point is that, like, first of all, they are true. And I mean, okay, look, you can feel good about yourself because you're good looking, right? But the point is that once you over-identify with it, first of all, you're already kind of putting yourself up on a pedestal and you're sort of devaluing everybody else. But when you see the whole of your strengths, what it does is, number one, for relationships, it makes it easier for you to see the whole of everybody's strengths, right? And then you kind of realize, okay, so these are the whole of my strengths. These are the whole of, let's say, person X's strengths. And these are the whole of person Y's strengths. So you can say that, okay, like we all have weaknesses. We all have strengths. So if, let's say, I lose my appearance, I, you know, some tragic accident or obviously deteriorates through age i'm like oh okay i just have another weakness maybe if i want i could sort of create another strength for myself whatever if the number is important to you but then you can kind of see yourself in the whole community and say okay here here are these like strengths for these people and their weaknesses and these are mine right maybe let's say this particular person didn't have the let's say strength of being like supremely attractive and technically now i don't either right so now in a sense now we have kind of the same weakness but the point is that all together right as a global community there's no reason for me to really distinguish let's concretely as a whole between myself and other people so i think that like 
when we over identify with our looks, right? What we do is we obviously become very shallow, very sort of narcissistic. And the idea is that your concerns are more on yeah. you instead yeah. of someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then on top of that, right, you tend to kind of like sort of deify yourself and obviously devalue other people. Cause the thing is like, if like, even accidentally, I, I don't even think it's conscious. Some people may do it consciously. Some people may just accidentally do it. I think it's automatic. Like, so my thinking is like, if you focus too much on one mm. particular trait, what's going to happen is, so if you, you can't see the strengths in other people because for you the only strength is attractiveness or the only strength is intelligence right then you're naturally going to see them as beneath you because it's like if being intelligent or being beautiful makes me a good person right if that overall is the only thing that matters and let's say i'm this and others people are not it's natural you're just gonna be like i'm great and they're all shit but if you can see sort of the plethora of qualities and say okay these people have these strengths i have these right and these are the things that sort of make us all valuable then it's different then there's no way for you to do that because you're like those just happen to be theirs and this just happened to be mine so that's why i think a holistic approach to kind of viewing ourselves and other people is important rather than just saying like looks don't matter because they do i mean that's i think like to anybody who says looks don't i'm not, not saying you're saying but, that. but but what you you said before was there's even like a threshold Yes. To have, you can look, again, like you said, uh, what was it, like 60 or 70 yeah. out of 100 or right. something like that? Mm-hmm. And then uh, then it's kind of more, what matters more is kind of your behavior at oh, that I'm point. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to qualify that, though. So that's like, okay, so for, oh, this is going to be kind of hard to phrase. Okay, so in terms of like dating and mating, again, this is not to say everyone is like this, but the people who are sort of more sexually successful, right? So it's actually one or not one or the other. Um, Okay. So what I'm saying is that let's say if you are at a 90 in terms of looks, right? And this is only in terms of like how much sex people are having, right? Nothing to do with relationships, nothing to do whether they're likable. I'm not even going to get into that because I don't really know the research on it. Mm -hmm. But what I am saying is that when it comes to like these two people, so the person who's let's say at a 60 in appearance, right? And let's say at a 90 hypothetically in terms of like their kindness and the person who's at a 90 in appearance, technically they actually don't have to be so kind. So they'll on average, give or take, get pretty much laid the same amount. So what I am saying is that let's say if you're not so attractive that you can make up for it in other ways because like for a lot of people that appearance is just not the whole. But I'm not saying that if you're like really hot, somebody's going to turn you down. Chances are that's really not unless you're a huge asshole. But you don't have to be as kind just for sex. Again, just for sex. Well, we talked about this in another episode where we were talking about in order for um, usually if you behave confidently, people will buy into it. Mm Mm-hmm. More or less. There were more points that we made. But since we're talking about body image, I'm not going to like fully harp into that. I guess if anyone wants to check that episode out. Um, I forgot which one. It might have been... Um, can't remember. Mm. Aha. Uh, That's fine. Yeah. It's definitely one of our episodes where we talked about... Um, more about self-esteem. Is it imposter syndrome? Uh, we might have brought it up during it. But it was about also resi- in the episode about resistance. Hmm. And like... Um, Hmm. Ah, okay, it's fine. It's all good. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Wow, we, we make these shows and uh, we don't even Dude, remember. we're like on episode 15. Fair enough? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, imagine when we get to like episode 100. We'll be right. like, remember episode yeah. 4? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, 4. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. It was uh-huh. good. Uh, oh, uh, never mind. I was going to make an Ernest Becker joke. <laughs> oh God. Uh, how, you remember episode 4? Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was, it was cool. good. But yeah, um, but yeah body image. Yeah. Um, I think the, the main culprit um, with body image is kind of a similar culprit to like... A lot of uh, a lot of issues that we may have uh, as far as um, internally, mm-hmm. which is just identification. If you 
place your value Mm -hmm. in how you look it's this trap it's just like you don't want to do that it's better to well i don't know if it's better but i would definitely say you don't if you worked on your behavior more like for example oh we were we were talking about this before the podcast um the movie i feel pretty Mm -hmm. right yeah so i didn't see the full movie. Mm-hmm. I saw, you can argue, like 80% of the movie, 70% of the movie. Mm-hmm. I just didn't see it from beginning to end. Yeah. But what was beautiful about that movie was Amy Schumer, who played the lead role. Mm-hmm. She, she, um, what happened is she got into this accident, right? Mm-hmm. Something happened. She hit her head or something yeah, yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the beginning of the movie, before she had this accident, she was very concerned with body image, what she looked like. Um, she felt insecure. Um, and... It, it it reflected in her relationships. Mm-hmm. And so she had this like kind of insecure thing going on. Things weren't really successful in her life. Mm-hmm. Things of that nature. Mm-hmm. When she had this little uh, accident, right. what happened is the next day she looks in the... And this is... Uh, she looks in the mirror, mm-hmm. right? And she thinks, she feels, she truly believes that she's beautiful. Yeah. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I believe she actually in the movie thinks that body image wise she looks great no yeah 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 so that doesn't ex- fully help but the main thing is she didn't externally look like the body image right. that she felt like she had mm-hmm. and what was great was because she was exhibiting all these strong characteristics of confidence of just like positivity engagement with people because she didn't feel like uh, she couldn't anymore because of nothing was holding her back mm-hmm. she ended up having way deeper relationships with like her friends she ended up meeting this uh, really uh, cool guy mm-hmm. uh, who uh, she ended up having a relationship with things for her at work oh actually I remember she was looking for a job and because of how she felt and how she presented herself and this was at a modeling agency if I'm not mistaken where yeah. she tried to get the job mm-hmm. um, because of the way she lo- she presented herself and her behavior it was so spot on the confidence mm-hmm. that it didn't matter what she looked like she, she got the job right. and then even as you know she's still behaving this way throughout the movie her position moves higher and higher throughout the movie mm-hmm. and it affects all aspects of her uh, life from just feeling better. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. It's like Mm counterintuitive. You think that you need to look a certain way to feel a certain way. And to get the results. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to get the results. But what if you felt, what if you flipped cause and effect? What if you felt good Mm -hmm. and arguably easier said than done, but if depending who hears this, that might cause like a little click for them. Depends. But if you flip that, and then you decide to feel good first, the results that you can possibly get mm-hmm. that you that you thought you needed this or that to get are are amazing. Um, yeah, and it's yeah, and it goes back I think to that research which says that hey, sometimes if let's say you're super hot, right, you're gonna get laid a lot, but also sometimes if you're also like let's say just average or above average looking and you're like a really cool person and you're really nice and you're really kind, you'll get the same results. That's the point. So like when I when it comes to treatment, what I often try to tell people, and I get this idea as I do a lot of ideas from Albert Ellis, right? So Ellis kind of and this is a little bit different, but I think there's still a big connection where so he calls liberals and he is what well, was one. He calls them 
and like liberal, I mean, intellectual fascists, right? Where he's like, like, listen, guys, the reason why people like hate us is because what you do is you put the intellect on the pedestal. And kind of going back to my earlier point, right? If this is the only thing that matters, that we're great and everybody else is shit. And he's like, first of all, the intellect is essentially a means to an end, right? Mm -hmm. So he's like, if you think about, let's say, evolutionary or in evolutionary terms, like different qualities that we have, right? He asked the question, like, are they valuable in themselves, right? Or are they really valuable because of what they produce? And so he would say, of course, obviously, they're not valuable in themselves because objective value doesn't exist. You're not a better person than I am, let's say, because you're smarter or because you're better looking or whatever it is. He's like, that's not philosophically defensible. So what he says is that it's essentially what? No, just, I had a funny thought. I'm listening. Right. <laughs> so, in essentially, it's not philosophically defensible. So, therefore, he says it's like it's only valuable because it's a means to an end, right? So, he says, let's say for intellect, right? So, if the end is, um, let's say, being a good problem solver, being able to, I don't know, um, let's say, be able to sort of obviously, you know, kind of confront and challenge, not challenge, um, well, yeah, maybe challenge. So confront and challenge and resolve different difficulties, right? So if he says if intellect is a means to an end, right, essentially it's the end in itself that gives it its value. And I think, honestly, it's the same thing for beauty. So I often ask my clients, right, especially the ones who are, you know, kind of more sort of absorbed in their own looks, right? Where they're like, I'm like, okay, so is it the looks that you feel like you're not valuable or that makes you feel that way? Or is it that you're not getting the thing that you believe looks will get you? And so they're like, no, no, it's actually the latter right so i'm like okay so like what are you missing and they're like well you know if it's like a dude he's like i'm missing a girl you know like people don't want to date me blah 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 and i'm like okay so i'm like do you think it's possible for you to get that result right through another avenue right or let's say through a combination of avenues and then kind of when we start talking about it the resolution is essentially a combination of things so they realize that like oh wait i don't have to be extremely good looking in order to be happy right and by the way another sort of area of research actually shows that what happens is and this is like a, a kind of a tangent that i'm not going to focus on it too much but actually you could be too good looking for dating whereas what they show in studies on like okay cupid and tinder is that actually so there's a negative correlation between let's say being like more attractive when you're like past a certain threshold and messages so it's like from like let's say if you're a 9 10 in terms of i don't know whatever they would rate a person's appearance you actually get way less messages than people who are five sixes and sevens because pretty much you're terrifying people and scaring them off Mm -hmm. But so to go back to my point is that like, okay, so if let's say you can't get this result, right, let's say for being like, I don't know, looking like Brad Pitt, do you feel like there are other things you can do to make yourself, let's say, more impressive or more kind of, let's say, admirable or attractive? And then like we talk about, okay, let's, what are your hobbies? What are your interests, right? What do you feel like you've achieved in your life? What's important to you? What do you contribute? Yes, right? And it's like, and we create this sort of plethora of examples that a person could look at to say, oh, wow, I really like this person. And this really defines who they are, their character. So what that means is that essentially they realize oh wait so even though i'm let's say average or whatever above average or even below average looking i can sort of make up for it in terms of let's mm -hmm. say my attraction <laughs> say the joke no no it's just like it's just like when you're listening to someone and then you're like when you're below average looking and then i'm like I'm, and then i'm starting to wonder like what does leon think of himself like is he think he's above average looking or below i hope he doesn't think below but then i was like it does he if he does it's funny and then that's why i'm laughing but that, now that i explained it, since it, i had to tell since you asked i technically think i'm like above not, okay. not like, not, actually, that's not true. It fluctuates. Look at the ego on this guy. No, I'm just joking. I'm actually, joking. If, no, it actually fluctuates. Joke, yeah, yeah there, it actually fluctuates. So some days I think I'm above average and some days I think I'm below average. So it depends on literally the day and like how I'm feeling that day. So that back to our point. Yeah. Then, but then, yeah, right? So it, the, the fluctuation in feeling mm -hmm. and then based on that, it's not, I mean, yeah, I'm not, uh, yeah, yeah, for example, when we're talking about this stuff, it's obviously we're not perfect with it at all. Like, we're just the same as you. Mm -hmm. It's just that um, 
we're talking about like what helped us pretty much or what like understanding about this does to kind of help you navigate the, this this issue that is very common mm -hmm. right like the more personal the issue the more universal it is or more more per was it the more personal the wound the more universal it is something yeah. like that i believe it's the same it's a good quote yeah mm -hmm. um yeah and it's uh, yeah so for example the body image thing is such a common thing so for instance um yeah uh i some sometimes i don't base like most of the time i would say i don't base my mood on how i look mm -hmm. but then there are times where i'll look at myself and i'll be like did i and then i'll start to draw like uh how i feel based on how i look mm -hmm. and it's not because i haven't thought it through just sometimes it's it's weird it's like an automatic thing that you have to kind of catch in the moment right. and if you kind of catch it it doesn't have that hold on you mm -hmm. but then sometimes it can mm -hmm. right yeah. but i suppose the more aware you are mm -hmm. about it the less of an impact it has on you mm -hmm. let's say at one point uh it consumed 80% of my uh mental resources to care about that right this is obviously not the real figure. It's no, just it's the, yeah, ballpark. ballpark. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But <laughs> but then I would say that it's dramatically reduced the percentage of the time that I draw how I feel about myself from how I look. Right. And it's because of like breaking it down the way we are. Because mm -hmm. if you understand what's one why is it why do we call care about uh, what we look like? Right. And it's kind of this this idea of social conditioning, you're kind of told, like, uh, you know, buy this cologne, uh, or get Axe mm -hmm. body spray, for example, yeah, is just one example, mm -hmm. uh, or look like the guy in the movie, right. things like that. Uh, but it, it's, um, it's, it's, I don't know, again, back to the point, it's, it's such a, it's like a trap. Mm -hmm. It's like a weird trap. Um, there's no real satisfaction in it. It's like that, um, is it Mick Jagger? Uh, can't get no satisfaction yes. mm -hmm. you keep like aiming for these things but they won't ultimately satisfy you it's kind of like a more of an internal yeah. internally based thing yeah. like uh, and, and yeah you're you were t talking about ellis before mm -hmm. um yeah like uh, for instance it, it, there's these other aspects to you that kind of contribute to how you feel um like yeah what you contribute or like what, or for instance, like say in, uh, depending who's watching, I don't know, say you take care of your family or something like that, mm -hmm. or you're taking care of a parent or mm -hmm. something like that. It's a random example. It's not even something like that. You know how sometimes people come up with examples and it's like they're projecting something from, that was just a really random one. Mm -hmm. um, let's say you, uh, do, you volunteer. Say you don't volunteer. Say mm -hmm. you're just contributing at work. That counts as contribution. Why mm -hmm. not? Right. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just contribution. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, also hobbies, right? What if there's something you really like doing or that you're really passionate about? That, if if pursued more, for instance, may actually bring you more happiness, or not necessarily happiness, just or more content. Because yeah. sometimes it's uh, it depends who you're talking about, or or it depends who you might be referencing here mm -hmm. as like an example of who might have said this, but. I would say that happiness sometimes is overrated, mm -hmm. uh, but then somebody might disagree with me and be like, uh, no, it's important to be happy. And I would say, yeah, I just think that, like, for, exa for example, I feel like if you're more or less uh, satisfied in certain areas in your life, you could say that you're just 
content. You don't necessarily have to be like beaming with like ecstatic, like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like so happy, you mm-hmm. know. And you can generate happiness, sure. Mm-hmm. For instance, that moment just a second ago where I'm looking at the camera and like <laughs> like that or something. Uh-huh. Sure, I kind of primed my physiology. I kind of did something. I smile. Oh, there's something interesting. We never really talked about this. Mm. Uh, did you ever see any research on? Um, it depends. Like what co- what causes emotions to occur? Is it uh, first the emotion and then you have a phys- physiological response, mm-hmm. or do you have a physiological or do you do the action first and then you experience the I'm, emotion? I'm sure it could be both. Have you see- have you ever yeah, seen? Yeah, I, I don't it? remember it. I probably saw it a while ago. I don't remember it. I can't definitely talk about it, but I can imagine that it's both. Okay, so then I won't say anything too definitive about it. Mm-hmm. But if I remember at one point. Um, I saw research saying that uh, sometimes you could, like, it it kind of alluded to the idea that you could kind of prime your physiology and Mm -hmm. then kind of evoke an emotion based on that. Yeah, Yeah, so one thing I I would, uh, for instance, in that moment when I was looking at it, I was like, ah, like that, smiling. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because uh, I'll make myself smile first Mm -hmm. and then kind of the emotion kind of comes to me mm-hmm. it's not like i really felt the emotion first and then i started smiling yeah. so it's, it's weird um also when people move their hands a lot while they're talking mm-hmm. it kind of helps to um helps them to um talk more or for instance uh if uh, somebody's leaning back while they're talking mm-hmm. um uh, it actually lets them feel more relaxed mm-hmm. as opposed to because they're relaxed they're leaning back mm-hmm. um but that's a different point like yeah. i'm sorry I no, it's okay. but i do want to go back we can talk to, about anything right <laughs> that's true yeah i do want to go back to i feel pretty though so yeah. i don't i think that what you said was really important like the lesson of okay like you know to pretty much the way you feel about yourself which is obviously which you can to some extent control or at least practice right saying like okay like let me sort of fake it till i make it or whatever let me sort of pretend like i feel good about myself just to see what the results are and technically you could do that mm. and I re- <laughs> what <laughs> no i'm listening i'm just <laughs> You literally think I feel like shit about myself. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm just happy... The just happy-go-lucky guy just listening, <laughs> smiling while listening. All right. So, essentially, so, it's, yeah, so you could do that, right? So, you could kind of <laughs> pretend, at least to some extent, like, okay, just to see what the results are and say, like, okay, like, I'm going to practice being confident and see what happens. See, <laughs> you just want to laugh, right? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you, it, what's interesting, by the way, really, tiny shoot, point, shoot. you don't need a reason to be happy. Right. You don't need to necessarily <laughs> adhere to anything to right. be happy and, like, feel a certain yeah. way. Yeah. Why did I laugh? Honestly, I was trying to hold this with one finger, uh-huh. missing it entirely. And then as I'm drinking and listening, I'm hoping that this doesn't go in. Oh, here. that's fine. And I'm just like, you know, it's such a simple thing, uh-huh. you know, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, for real. No, but to bring right, right, right. back right, to Right, so I feel, I, I feel pretty. So, yeah. I mean, so that was a good lesson, right? And obviously, but <laughs> <laughs> I just can't stop. So the confidence itself, right, is obviously a springboard to, let's say, the results, right? And the results then foster maybe the actual confidence that you feel somewhere down the road. Mm. But I think another important aspect of I Feel Pretty was the fact that she learned that at the end of the day, she actually didn't need the people who were so shallow that they literally devalued her because she didn't meet the ideal expectation of what, let's say, feminine beauty was supposed to look like. Mm. Like, that was the big speech. I don't know if you went to the or got to the I didn't see the very end of it. Yeah, so that was a really good speech where she pretty much was like, yeah, like, fuck all of you. She's like, if you don't like me for who I am that's absolutely okay I'm gonna just go and be with the people who do like me for who I am and that was I think the major point of the story well the movie the story that she learns that essentially that if you're like so shallow then I don't want you in my life and there was this really good article I don't remember the author's name but it was in the Washington Post I think maybe two years ago three years ago even something like that so it was about a woman who had a speech impediment so she stuttered a lot and I think I may have told you this before 
So she stuttered a lot. And so obviously when she was a kid, like this was horrific for her. And her mom was like, oh, you know what we have to do? We need to get you a speech therapist because this is bad, right? We need to get rid of this. And this is what parents do frequently, especially with some sort of deformity or kind of, um, you know, abnormality. They're like, no, 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 we have to get rid of this. You have to be normal, right? So unfortunately, oh no, I told you about another woman with a speech impediment. That's what the story was. But this was actually somebody else. So she's like, you know, so of course my mom was like, oh, you know, we need to get you this, you know, this therapist and we need to cure this. So unfortunately it didn't happen. So this poor girl was obviously devastated. She's like, oh my God, I'm going to like have this thing for the rest of my life. That's, that's really, really terrible. And so like kind of as she went through college, she was super shy and obviously, you know, not very social, which is the meaning of shy so essentially so she kind of like um little by little like people like guys started approaching her and so like some of them were assholes and she like you know they kind of mistreated her when they tried to date her and made her feel like shit about herself but then some of them were really good well that in the beginning actually only one was really good so she ended up dating him right for a very long time and she was like wow like you know if i didn't have the speech impediment i would have never probably dated this guy right for because for me what would have probably been important was like social status and finding like i don't know like the captain of the football team or whatever whereas this guy right was actually a but like he was kind of more on like the nerdier side right which is probably like if i didn't have this thing i would have went for the other like sort of like you know hot you know whatever they are um jocks sure yeah so and i'm paraphrasing i'm not exactly because i've read the story a while ago i'm not exactly sure that that's what she said but something along these lines and then so she dated this person and she's like for him the way he viewed my speech impediment was not that it was an abnormality in the sense of it's like you know toxic or terrible but it was just unusual right it was just a different way of speaking mm -hmm. and so she really liked him and obviously he really liked her and like but somewhere down the line they ended up breaking up because obviously relationships kind of do that sometimes where they're just you know irreconcilable differences but then she was devastated and she was like oh my god i'm never gonna find anyone like this like this person was on the pedestal like he's so understanding and so mature like nobody's ever gonna see me this way again mm -hmm. so as she kind of grew up and left college she actually learned that no there are plenty of other people who see you in the same way so i think it's pretty like i think you can argue successfully that she had that experience that amy schumer character had and I feel pretty which was like yeah like people can actually like me for me and those are the only people I should really keep around so she said for her the speech impediment was essentially a blessing in disguise that if she didn't have it then she would have never actually sort of weeded out all of the really shitty potential partners because she's like like obviously I would have been superficial I would have focused on their appearance right I would have focused on maybe what they had to offer me like physically you know uh, materially whatever so for her, the idea was like, oh, you know, like this thing that was so terrible for me and so debilitating at first was actually a really good thing that happened to me. And I'm actually glad it wasn't cured. But what she said was that she was really upset with her mom because she said, you know what? I wish my mom just fucking accepted me instead of like trying to cure me or change me and said, you know what? Like this is okay. Because she said most of her problem was literally not just from her mom, but society as a whole saying this is something that needs to be changed. Whereas she's like, if, you know, people just viewed it as like, you know, these other people did, these guys that she dated, some of them, that if they just viewed it as a different way of like speaking and acting and of just being in the world she's like i would have never been shy i would have never gone through this phase of like literally feeling like shit about myself so that's a big lesson right that looks or whatever it is is not that important or shouldn't be plus uh going through stuff like that um especially like in my uh experience it definitely deepens you i mm -hmm. mean if i had everything go perfect i don't think i would be doing this podcast right now yeah. i don't i mean um uh, and I, when I say everything go perfect, I mean literally everything go perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, there were many driving forces, for instance, for why uh, I would, why, uh, for one, why you would do something like this, and why I would do something like this. 
Um, and then some of the other choices I made in my life. It's, it's strange. It's like it, on one level, uh, a lot of these things that happened to us or mm. that we felt like really bad at one point, uh, at, it, dur- during that, you wish it wasn't like that. You don't want to be like that and you don't want to feel like that and uh, all that. Right. But it does, it, it, once you kind of go through the motions, you try to break down why is you feel this way or you try to figure out what caused you to feel like this. And then, and then you you sort of na- navigate your way. Maybe you stop feeling that way. It's a, it's an interesting journey because that in itself adds so much character to you. Mm-hmm. You've you've navigated all these murky waters that, and it's like when you meet someone, you bring that to them. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to even be a romantic partner. It could be to your friends. It could be uh, to an audience or something like that. It could be to uh, employers. Um, all kinds of people, mm-hmm. and just because I'm running out of examples. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. But I, <laughs> yeah, right. But it's it's your pets. Your pets. <laughs> Actually, that's not a crazy <laughs> thing right, to right, say. Right. It isn't there. Right. What if now all of a sudden you're you're nicer? You're, the animal feels that off. R- of right, right, right. Dogs are especially keen on kind of sensing your that's true. emotional state. Cats is a little different kind of approach, but mm-hmm. that's a different podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Look forward to the next episode of Season of Podcast. We're talking about your emotions and cats and dogs. I had to make animals happy. Yeah, um, but no, not that's not going to be the next one. Actually, um, next one we have a guest. Yes, right? Steph Kenton. Steph Kent. So yeah, yes, so she Kelly. created. So I mean, I guess we're plugging it now. Why not? Yeah. yeah. So she created this really cool company called Call Me Ishmael. But and so mm-hmm. I want to. I kind of want to keep it a bit of a surprise and talk about it more next week. No, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, just because we kind of went there for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think in terms of character development, your point was really important. Yeah, um, there were some things that I learned. Like for instance, um, one had to be. Uh, this may not be an academic term, mm-hmm. but uh, a little more non-reactive. Yeah, you kind of. Uh, it, it's interesting. It's like because when I was in the frame of mind of I based how I felt on um, things going right mm-hmm. or things looking the right way. Um, I would have ups and downs in my feelings internally mm-hmm. based on that stuff. Right. But then when I learned that that wasn't so, imp- that's not where you should be getting your uh, happiness from, mm-hmm. right? I started to learn that I can actually not necessarily react to the way circumstances are t- to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And I can act however I wish to act in spite of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And actually, not not being so reactive mm-hmm. uh, in conversations with people actually is kind of a display of confidence. Yeah. Because it means that you're very secure with yourself back, and how Greg things Sadler. are. Oh, yeah? You remember he said yeah, that last that's week. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's he's right. Like, he, he did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, the anger, man. He's like, if you don't, like, buy into what they're selling, he's like, you don't... I mean, you could still be, like, frustrated about it, but you don't, like, flip out. Yeah, so mm-hmm. when I learned about stuff like that, when I learned about, for instance, not being so concentrated on like what's going on with you, mm-hmm. like if your attention is so based on you, you're going to be looking through this, everyone through this filter of how you feel about yourself. Right. But then when I started to, and we talked about this uh, actually while eating uh, food yesterday, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what, is, what does it mean when somebody says like, how, how are you? Mm-hmm. It mean, I mean, yeah, on the surface, they're just asking what's up? How's it going, right? right. But on another level, it's actually, it's like their concerns kind of extend outside themselves. And they're trying to see what's going on with the other person. Mm-hmm. And that's also important in terms of like 
uh, establishing relationships with people because then the other person feels like you actually give a shit about them, like yeah. you care about them. Right. And that's one thing. So that, not reactive. There's a bunch of other things I could think of. We talked about it on other podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. But there are all these other factors that kind of lead to what might make a conversation or an interaction or in general relationship kind of go in a really nice way that doesn't necessarily have to be based in body image or adhering to certain um, tenets in social conditioning. And social conditioning, by the way, Mm -hmm. it is super useful. Uh, uh, Again, if if you know not to put your hand in the fire, you you don't want to learn that firsthand. If you learn that secondhand... Yeah, it's just that Hell sometimes. Yeah. yeah, it's just that sometimes what we learn from our environments is shit. Obviously, right? Yeah. I think like eighty percent of social get conditioning. Mm-hmm. Again, not the real percentage, right, but yeah. I think most of it is good. Mm-hmm. But I think it can be like a double-edged sword, depending what conditioning you're buying into. Yeah. And sometimes it's better to kind of see the sometimes like in terms of body image Mm -hmm. to kind of see the world through your own fresh set of eyes instead of this filter of social conditioning how you're supposed to look yeah um and maybe somewhere down the line people will respect you more for kind of going your own way with that then again it it doesn't kill anyone to uh, to some level adhere to certain things in society Mm -hmm. as far as looks go yeah so I feel like it's like a, we're yeah it's a nuanced kind of a thing. But again, investing too much in body image is is the dangerous. Yeah. Place. And I would say, and even the opposite end of the spectrum, sort of investing too much in your character is not a good thing either. Because obviously, for health purposes, right, it's detrimental. Because you're like, oh, whatever. I guess I'm never gonna be attractive. So who cares, right? And then even for self esteem. So like, all right, this is kind of like a personal story. But um, okay. So when I was like a kid, right? So like, um, I had some teachers who were like assholes, right? Right. So you asked before, and I kind of give you a more detailed answer into like whether or not I like what I you know what my body image looks like. So here's why it fluctuates, right? So on the good days, right, when I feel okay about myself, or like that's like when my sort of reasoning is clear, right? On the bad days is when it's like sort of more intuitive, right? When I kind of just like um, have these whatever like the beliefs or belief whatever it is that was implanted into me long ago come up, right? So when I was a kid, right? So as I'm sure you know, like teachers for whatever reason, say some things that they say, right? And it's like, they think that they're like using it as motivators, obviously, either not knowing or not giving how like, or not care, giving a shit how it like affects a kid, right? So like, Look, I get it. There was a point where when I was a kid, right, I was kind of full of myself, right? I was trying to sort of be the leader of the pack, whatever, right? So I had teachers who obviously disliked me. So there was one day where like a teacher was like, he said something along the lines of like, listen, kid. He's like, because I remember like I didn't do like my work or whatever it was. And he like got, took it really personally, right? So he's like, listen, kid. He's like, I want you to know you're never going to get by on your looks. So you better be smart. And like for, for a kid who's like 10 to 12 years old, whatever it was at the time, like this was pretty devastating, right? So in the sense, right, what I did was pretty much I was like, oh, I guess I have to focus on my character now, right? So, I mean, in a way you could say that it worked, right? The thing that he was doing, if that was what he was doing, actually worked for me. So I was like, okay, wow, like I really have to focus on these other qualities because clearly I'm not going to do shit in life if I don't, right? So I was like, okay, so now I have to like start studying, right? I have to like focus on maybe even working out, whatever it is, right? So, but the reason why I bring this story up is that like, so... 
there was a part of me that figured like, okay, so I was never going to be this thing, right? So therefore, it's like if I'm never going to, let's say, be attractive to, on any level, because apparently for him, I was way below average, right? So if I was never going to be, be at that point, right, I have to focus on all of these other qualities. So the thing is that like, if you focus a lot on that, that actually doesn't help you. So it's like the reason why I still even struggle with body image is because in some way that idea is still implanted in me. So it's like no matter how much I try to compensate with character, with hard work and dedication and these other accomplishments, right? There's some part of me that still feels like that part is true, right? Like that, that what he said was true. Mm. So therefore, it's like, okay, great. Like no matter how much I do, it's never enough because I have like this big void in like my character, my not even my character, myself, right? And I, because I'm never going to be able to fill it, the rest of it might even be irrelevant. So this thing that he thought was actually helpful, there was maybe, again, I don't know what he was thinking, but this thing that was like a, maybe, a ho again, I hope that he was trying to help me. So this thing that he said that was supposed to sort of drive me to do better and to be hardworking or whatever, right? What it actually did was it sort of made me obsessive in terms of building my character and even especially in terms of bodybuilding in itself because it was again an overcompensation that I felt like because I was always going to miss this part of like let's say what I was supposed to be right based on again genetics society whatever you want to call it this combination of things but because I was always going to miss this part that no matter what I did was enough so the idea sometimes is that like oh if we just focus on this right then let's say like if we just focus on this that it'll be okay if we don't have that but I really think it has to be well-rounded I think we have to to some extent feel good about ourselves in like literally every category that we can think of because like if let's say even with the strengths and weaknesses I even think it's more nuanced than the way I presented it initially so like yes you can say okay I'm not attractive or let's say and but I have this strength and this other person has that strength or that person is attractive but they don't have my strength I think to some extent at least to some threshold we need to feel like we're attractive enough right so if like let's say he said something to me like hey listen kid like you're just average looking so you're not gonna get by but you need to do all of these other things and I'd be like you know what I hear that I that makes sense to me so I'm like okay so I'm pretty normal looking right but I just have to do these things because like the looks themselves aren't gonna get me anywhere cool I get that not what he said obviously so it's like I think if you feel like you're deficient in some major area where you're not supposed to be I think that shit always stays with you man hmm. yeah I mean, uh, yeah, uh, honestly, if, if what you're, if for instance, uh, you invest too much in character building, mm -hmm. like, like you're saying, um, and you don't care about like how you feel physically, let's yeah, look physically. Sure. Maybe up to a certain degree, right. but let's say how you feel physically. Yeah. I could imagine a scenario where. For instance, um, say you figured out behavior is all that matters, right? Or mostly matters, right? Okay. And then all of a sudden you rationalize that I don't need to take care of my body because of that. Yeah. Uh, what kind of consequences could that have? I mean, I actually might have had something similar to that before. There was a point when I did have the realization that actually if you're just confident, it's like this reversal of cause and effect. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily have to look a certain way and all that and you can mm -hmm. still get results. Mm -hmm. But that was like weird thinking too, because um, then I would have a bunch of physical issues that impacted how I felt. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, I um, uh, I used to drink like uh, two or three bottles of two liter sodas a day. You um, went hard. Everything, yeah, woo, <laughs> crazy. Uh, several <laughs> orders of chicken parm Oof. and fast food yeah. and like the tasty stuff. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm so hungry now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, right? just kidding. But like, um, yeah. And the thing is, when I overdid it, mm -hmm. 
yeah, there was that short-term gratification mm-hmm. while doing it, yeah. but it had so many bad effects on my body. For instance, I became overly kind of uh, inflamed from having too much sugar, let's mm-hmm. say, in my body. Yeah. Maybe other factors as well. Um, but it, it, because of that, I didn't feel good. Because actually, if you look up, there's research that uh, says that inflammation um, can lead to uh Depro- sorry, not yeah. can lead to be one it's of the correlated causes. Yeah, one of the causes. with mm-hmm. depression, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, and yeah, and actually, coincidentally, I was a little bit depressed during that time. Maybe mm-hmm. not clinically, not clinically. I would say probably a combination, right? So it could be mild. Yeah, okay. No, that is clinical technically. So don't don't devalue. That's still important. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean like made. Like there were points when I was majorly right. depressed as well. But then, uh, but uh, but here's the thing. Like, what's what's the point? Uh, when I started to take care of my body, put like better kinds of nutrients in there, right. all of a sudden it wasn't just like all, all the thoughts and beliefs kind of based thing. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that uh, contributes to how you feel is actually purely physical. Right. Um, and it could actually have an impact on the sorts of... Um... So here's the thing. If you have a certain feeling in your body, you mm-hmm. don't feel good. Right. We and we talked about this before backwards rationalization. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel good, you may backward automatically just backwards uh, rationalize a reason for not feeling good. Mm-hmm. If it is something that let's say is physically based that's causing you to have that feeling in your body, mm-hmm. and then you may be creating a whole bunch of like st- a story in your head based on the feeling in your body. That's like several layers away from the root of the issue. Mm-hmm. I understand I'm speaking purely from a physical perspective here. It's all connected. It is all connected. Mm-hmm. When I, so, yes, there was a point when, for instance, uh, I read uh, books like The Power of Now or in general... The Denial of Death. Uh, the Denial of Death, <laughs> yes. Listen to great thinkers like Jason Silva, right. uh, Rogan, many of the guests that's, that Rogan's had on, mm-hmm. for instance. Yep. Um, Blanking on some names here, but that's fine. That's mm-hmm. fine. You get the point. Yes. I listened to all these people, and uh, yeah, there were a lot of thoughts and beliefs and inner things that I was able to change based on that. Mm-hmm. And it was revolutionary. It, yes, I did have a paradigm shift. Yes, I did feel amazingly better, and it was a totally different kind of experience of the world compared to when uh, I didn't know about this stuff. Mm-hmm. But the physical aspect of things played a major role as well because mm-hmm. uh, that worked for a time this kind of inner uh, feeling about the world mm-hmm. but then when i ha- was having physical issues i would then again it was like again i would just have these automatic rationalizations mm-hmm. that even if i knew it was kind of illusory mm-hmm. so yeah i wouldn't buy into it too much but it's like it would still kind of just happen mm-hmm. and then when i started to deal with the physical aspect of things after getting taking care of the inner stuff um actually i experienced issues um not based on reality way less dramatically less Mm -hmm. uh again not perfect but it's just a million times better than what it used to be Mm -hmm. because of this combo of the physical and the mental so yeah i didn't base what i felt like on the physical Mm -hmm. uh, anymore but it was important to work on the physical uh, a bit enough to just kind of, at least to a certain threshold, feel healthy. Like, you don't have to work to the level of, like, uh, getting, like, 
super fit and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, honestly, there was a point. Um, so I'll just for fun, just say this for the audience. I was uh, like for a long time, maybe around 240, dancing between 220, 240, something like that. Right. But I did switch my diet. Um, I was drinking like these uh, uh, vegetable juices and things of that nature mm -hmm. and uh, would mix more vegetables into my food. Yeah, did I still have more food than I needed to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could argue. Yeah, what, did I have more calories than I Sure. But at least I wasn't putting like a really harmful, like a lot of uh, fried, processed fried food or fast. Desserts, right. mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, so... Even at that time, when I was still, you can argue, objectively not at a great weight, mm -hmm. um, I felt good. Yep. And I think that that's really important. Like, you don't necessarily have to care what you look like, but taking care of the physical up to a point... Yes. It's important. Is important. I absolutely yeah. agree with you. Yeah. So, but the point is obviously the problem is that sometimes people fluctuate or they do one thing rather than the other. Oh yeah, so you could have blind spots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. You said it before. Mm -hmm. If you develop your, uh, if you concentrated on one thing, like wait, like you went extreme on one path. Mm -hmm. Yes, a path of excess can lead to the palace of wisdom. Yes, right. I, I agree with that, a hundred percent. But then there's the counter example to it of. Well, then what if you developed your body all the way, but then you don't have anything to contribute? No. And like, and you see that. So some of the, yeah. some of the, be, uh, I guess, yeah, I'm going to say it. So some of the best looking people, uh, I don't want to be obviously offensive in any way, but look, I mean, it's a fact, right? So like Jessica Biel, right? Super attractive. Probably one of the best looking people, women I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh my God. And you find out that like literally she's an anti-vaxxer and you're like, Pah. Like, really? Like, really? And you see that a lot, like, especially with celebrities. What's wrong with the anti-vaxxer? Oh, shut off. <laughs> no, no, for real. I know why you're not. not? I, mean, I know you're not serious. Why, why? <laughs> no, 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 just for fun. I actually met somebody, I have a friend. Oh, my God. Who um, doesn't, didn't vaccinate her uh, child. Oh, my God. And then I wondered why, because I, I look at her. And it's I... based on one study, literally, that was exposed as fraudulent by, I think his name was Andrew Wakefield, right? He published a study in, I think, 1997. So, after the study that linked autism to vaccines right everybody went well not everybody but whatever like you know kind of some soccer moms went crazy then you kind of find out that obviously his methodology number one didn't work right it wasn't it was deeply flawed but number two is when they try to replicate these studies they actually found that there was no substantial or any link at well not any link but it was a very minimal because here i don't want to say minimal link because people are going to misinterpret that and they're going to say well wait 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 there's some link that means it's no 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 that's not how science works so when i say that there's some link i mean that because core correlation there's always going to be some correlation with something so when it comes to vaccinations right there's yes there's some link between auto like vaccines and let's say autism but the link is so insubstantial that it's not it's random right that means it's not possible that it's actually the one causes the other that's what i'm saying so mm -hmm. no anti-vaxxers are like what would you say to like somebody <sighs> who's like uh, an anti-vaxxer besi besides that no. so this way they can trust let's say having a vaccine because yeah. here's okay so i'll answer that question yeah so here's okay look i get it most people are not scientists most people do not know how to interpret the literature i absolutely get that right so in this case i would say look at the vast majority of clinicians look at the vast majority of scientists literally of researchers right who tell you 97 98 of them will tell you that vaccines do not cause autism and they are not linked to any detrimental health outcomes number one number two is it's actually now being discovered that autism is primarily genetic so for the love of God, so if you're not going to look into the research itself, literally from the Amer American Medical Association, at least listen to the people who present it.
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, um, I, I think one of the uh, issues that a lot of people have with the like vaccination in general, just mm-hmm. to, I understand we were talking about body image mainly for this episode. <laughs> this, this is sure. really left field. I know. But yeah. Just one thing Shoot. is what if, uh, what if you had a doctor you come, like, here's the thing. I would just try to meet a doctor I completely trusted right. to be careful with that too, by the way. Yeah. Cause there are quacks out there as well. This is, this is like, I, I don't want to say anybody's name. Or but that's fair. Yeah. I'm happy you said that though. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's like, but they're not, they're not a lot of them. But what I am saying is that like, I even have family members who trust certain doctors that give them treatments that don't make any logical sense to me whatsoever. And these particular people are like, no, no, I trust this doctor with my life. And I'm like, just because he's an MD doesn't mean he isn't a charlatan. Mm. Well, okay. What about, um, Here's the thing. I think the issue is that most people have an issue. What, what their issue is with vaccines is, is the mass production of them. Mm-hmm. And then just not trusting like where did this particular one that you're about to administer my child with. Right, right. Like it, it was, is, is there any flaw in mass production of them? But should I have, should I work on a different method of like where I'm getting this vaccine from so I can feel I trust it more but or then, something? But then you would say that about food too. You don't know what ha- where your food is coming from, technically speaking, outside of where these producers are telling you they're coming from. So you can't trust anything then. Unless you grow your own food, then, I mean, how would you ever know? Yeah. But okay, just kind of going back no, to... No, no, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, that, I, yeah. I hear you. Just because, like, this is a whole... This is a, literally a topic in itself. So, Jessica Biel, right? So, super attractive, right? Obviously, not bright. And I mean, like, this is sometimes what you get with people who are, like, super attractive. That they don't have... Really, not only do they not have much to contribute, but they have such ill-informed opinions, man. Where you're sitting there and you're like, yo, I can't believe you're saying this right now. And so, like, what that does is it takes their overall attractiveness from, like, a 9 to, like, a 5. Where you're like, yo, I don't even want to talk to this so person. i'm gonna take a this is Shoot. gonna be an interesting approach Shoot. here's how i'm gonna handle like for for instance like jessica biel especially biel mm-hmm. in the in this yeah. example I, I won't um until because i want i would want to understand i would want to hear from someone who's an anti-vaxxer their entire point of view mm-hmm. and then have a back and forth and try to break down why, why do you think this way? Mm-hmm. And then here's the information I'm presenting, like what, like for instance, what you just presented, right. and then try to still go and uh, get like back, back and forth until there's like this sort of ah, integration, but and then the, you figure out, you know. Here's the mistake though, because you, like obviously as a rational person, you think it's that simple. So when people have emotional beliefs, it doesn't matter how much evidence you present them with. Yes, mm-hmm. but... Um, there are, for instance, that, that, um, that print, that idea of, uh, seeking first to understand then to be understood. Mm -hmm. Um, when they, when somebody, when you are saying the point that you think that they're saying back to them, they'll at least feel understood and let their guard down enough to then continue the discourse with you instead of emotionally uh reacting right. immediately to mm-hmm. what you're saying if it's right. op- if it's counter to what they're saying mm-hmm. and then they may consider your point yeah. that's a big may right and, but, and but here, yeah and here's the other thing that i don't like about it so not just jessica beale but just i mean like people who again this is on average maybe not even in this case but like so 
because a lot of times they feel so good about themselves because they're like, oh, I'm like this really attractive person with a high social status. There's tends to be a decent amount of hubris, right? So like from her, she's not a scientist. She's not a doctor. So she can say, hey, you know, I think it's possible that vaccines cause autism because of the information that I have. But yet, you know what? I'm not actually a researcher or a clinician or a doctor. So I can't really for sure say. She could say I'm leaning toward this side based on the information that I have, but I'm open to being wrong because again, I'm not an expert in this or a specialist. Let me throw out a devil's advocate position just for fun. Sure. And then this still is not a perfect position at all, but mm-hmm. I'll just throw this out there. What if because of her status and her access to uh, maybe because of the money she may have, she has access to uh, quote unquote the best clinicians? Oh, so I can tell you why actually, why she believes what she does. Because she met Robert Kennedy Jr. and he quote unquote convinced her. Right. And Robert Kennedy Jr. And look, I love his dad like to to pieces. He's like the most amazing person ever. Robert Kennedy Jr. is not a fucking medical professional. So whatever he convinced her with, I don't know. What if one of the medical professionals who she may have brought this point up to Mm -hmm. may have framed their argument for why not to have a vaccination? What if they framed it in a way that... um, uh, sounded uh, convincing enough, like, I, and they might have actually s- cited something. Yes, I, I don't know. I'm getting very general. No, here. No, no. I'm speculating too much. And devil's advocate. I would actually argue much. that that's probably what happened, and that's literally what's called sophistry. Well, here's the thing. What if it's not all the way sophistry? Maybe the per the per. Well, okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. I did literally say the doctor is framing it a right. certain way. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. But say uh, this doctor for some reason has a scientific reason why they're saying that and then also say she might have even went a step further mm-hmm. and said okay so and then also well, since i wouldn't have a vaccinated child what else can i do uh to avoid my child getting sick because of course they're going to be around other children and other people for the rest of their lives right. i mean also uh, hey didn't we invent vaccination so this way yeah people don't die from like a whole bunch of diseases that used to kill people left and right right you know like i really do see every well here's the thing i don't see the anti-vaxxer point all the way Mm -hmm. but i'm interested in having a conversation with that person and breaking it down Mm -hmm. because i again like i mentioned before i have a friend who does it but then i'm like this person's really smart so i want doesn't mean anything no i not enough i hear you but then i just want to hear it's just out of curiosity. I just want to hear what it is. A lot of them, by yeah. the way, are very conspiratorial. So if you kind of ask them what they, what else they believe. Alex Jones? Yeah. No, a lot of them like, so I can tell you maybe the vast majority of the anti-vaxxers that I've ever spoken to, they all believe in conspiracy theories. So if you dig deeper and you ask them like, okay, let's say hypothetically this is true, right? Why would... Why would these medical professionals be poisoning our children? And they're like, oh, let me tell you about the vast government Illuminati conspiracy of these people trying to kill off like one fourth of the population. So you actually find that something like that is true. You think that's ridiculous? (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah. But like, so, I mean, again, my point is that like, so for people who, um, oh yeah, so for people who are super focused on looks, right? So a lot of times, so not only are their opinions ill informed, not, okay, let me not say a lot because I don't want to generalize either, but some of the time, and I would say, decent proportion of it right their opinions are ill-informed but they also believe because they're like hot shit that their opinions are right it's like oh well i know right i've been told enough that I'm yeah right. that i've been, I, right, right, I've been validated enough i know i'm great i'm of this high position right therefore now i'm gonna sort of go fight for my causes so like for me i actually i like your perspective because it's a very open-minded right 
I don't want to be too open-minded. No, no, I, I do want to like yeah, uh, the reason, break it down eventually and then still use facts yeah. to come up with the best answer. The, the reason why I sort of fight against it is because at this point it's an open and shut case. Like vaccines do not cause autism, right? Like this is this is established, this is done, right? We can talk about the research, right? Technically, I'm not an expert either, so I can't even get into it, but there are definitely like sources that I could give you. So in terms of the medical source, American Medical Association, right? Like literally other sort of independent clinicians, people that have tried to replicate the Andrew Wakefield study that have failed every single time and this has been done god knows how many times at this point so like it's done like we're not that's that's why like the argument is so silly i definitely get your point right but sometimes and i would say most of the time what happens is it's actually these anti-vaxxer people that are very rigid and they're like no 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 like this is bullshit like this is what i believe and again connected to the conspiracy movement right those people are very much the same way they they sort of um what's the word uh they build themselves as being open-minded but i've never met more closed-minded people than conspiracy people and by the way i was a part of this movement i was heavily in it and i know what they're like and i was like them at one point too i was very rigid and closed-minded so if you ever presented me another like let's say point of view i was like this is fucking bullshit you're a moron so thank i'm happy i'm obviously not like that anymore like even with like points of view that i criticize i don't like tend to call people morons but the point is that when i was like in their movement that was literally me i was like i'm better than you i'm smarter than you you can't tell me anything i'll be honest with you even if i hear and I love how we went completely yeah. off the body, but just for fun. <laughs> Anytime I've heard anyone talk about like conspiracies and stuff, I'll give it a chance. I, I don't buy into it uh, immediately or anything like that, but I try to uh, just just to adhere to that whole um, because my my main focus mm -hmm. is um, trying to have an understanding. This uh, I just kind of base everything from that. Mm -hmm. So even if someone says something that may seem really out there uh even based on like my value system i still would just entertain it and see why it is that they think that way okay. uh only mainly just to not to get along with the person but because i feel like that's ultimate because here's the thing especially in the world in general i mean there are so many varied viewpoints right. that it's like say the almost seemingly impossible goal of trying to get everyone to get along. That's hard. Yeah. Well, hard is not the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it seems, and um, there have been moderately like, hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that bad. Yeah, you okay. can do it if you try. Yeah, yeah. Just try hard. Actually, no. So actually, I I do think that it could be done if you try. What's interesting? I love the internet. I really do think if the internet was everywhere and then we kind of used the tools that kind of what makes things viral, mm -hmm. for instance, like the thing that makes the funny little video viral, mm -hmm. I wonder if there are little techniques that you could use yeah. to make something that's really informative that normally would not be mainstream, mm -hmm. make it mainstream yeah. through some method. I, I, I do know that there are like commonalities in terms of like certain thing, buttons you can push mm -hmm. in a person. Yep. But the thing is, I, I don't... Here's the thing. If you want to stay authentic, mm -hmm. and that's the main goal here too, right. uh, it's not... To intuitively press those buttons while being authentic to your point right. uh, is not... Uh, that's a really interesting area. I don't know how much you'd have to have studied um, people in general in order to do that while talking to know right. what to say to evoke certain kinds of... 
um, responses from people. I mean, yeah. on some level I do. But and you know who tried that, right? Sarah Silverman. I don't know if you knew that. She had that show, like, I think, when was it? Maybe a year ago? So she went, like, literally around the country. Well, like, the deeper parts of the country down south. Literally listening to people and trying to understand why they believe what they believe. So I, I don't, I never watched it, so I don't know how much it worked, but it was definitely a noble attempt on her part. Like, she's like, I'm going to go down there and she's like, and I'm going to, what is it called? It's something, it has something to do with love. She's like, I'm just going to show love and compassion to these people and try to, unlike Trump supporters, and try to find out why they believe what they believe. Mm -hmm. It'd be an interesting show to watch. And I actually kind of want to see it and see where she went. Uh, like, for example, Rogan, mm -hmm. right? It's actually the first time that I... I'm going to go off on a ledge here and say this. I think it's the first time in history that someone had as much of, a, of an audience as he does. Yeah. Agreed. It's, it's it's It is millions of people. But it's And I agree. If somebody... Like, for example, Ray um, on our podcast, uh, I believe it was episode 12. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. I love how you're like, I have to know the, the episode number. Well, we had a, a comedian, Ray Kump and Lucy yeah. Steiner. And actually it was made, 13. No, was it? Yeah, last week was 14, and it was the week before 13. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he made an interesting point that even though uh, Rogan popularizes a lot of like interesting ways of thinking about things, and he has all these guests on, and yeah. he has a good uh, view base, yeah, if you want to go with his point that it is only, a, like, let's say it's 2 million people that he's... Uh, right. Or even say you went to 10 million, right? I mean, there are 300 million people in the country, and then the amount of the billions of people in the world, mm -hmm. I agree that it's whatever change it has is very incremental. It's very small. But I would also argue that it's the first time in the world that someone who's espousing like really like nice ways of thinking mostly. Yeah. I'm sure there's things you could disagree with with Rogan. Yeah, I and, mean the only and some thing, of the guests too as well. Yeah, I mean here's the thing. I actually like that he has every guest on that he does. With the exception of Alex Jones. So, like, I think that, yes, being open-minded is a really good idea. And unless somebody is, like, super hardcore extreme... He was I, entertaining. I hear you, man. But here's the thing. I was, I was... How many people do you think are listening to that? Like, maybe even seeing him for the first time and they're like, wow, this guy makes so much sense. I can't believe I haven't heard him before. Yeah, so, that's the double-edged yeah. sword aspect of... So, uh, that, yeah. yeah, that's why unless somebody is extreme, like, I agree with giving them a platform. But people like Alex Jones should not have a platform. That's my, that's my perspective. That's Fair enough, but what, what what was what's the point? It's like uh, I, I think that there may come a point when, and it may be through Rogan actually. Mm -hmm. If no, he has uh, definitely been a trailblazer for this. Yeah. There, there's gonna be a point when um, there's enough of this content of of the variety that he's producing. Right. Um, that it become it'll become mass produced, and then the amount of people who have internet in the world mm -hmm. is uh, growing year by year. Yeah. Um, damn, I used to have the statistics on this like up here. No, no I joke. Hear, yeah. There, I'm there sure. was a point. I'm sure it's rapid. It's really yeah, rapid. Yeah, I can imagine. And just imagine like somebody who just got internet for the first time. Mm -hmm. They're looking up information online. Mm -hmm. They're looking up. Uh, first of all, they're already wowed by the fact that they can even go online and look up information. But they can get books for free. Right. Learn things for free. Uh, there, There's a bunch of uh, web... For example, this is just coding that just popped up in my head. There's a site called Code Academy, for mm -hmm. example. Right. Uh, you can learn to code for free. Uh, there's other ones just like that. That's for coding specifically. But that's just... That's one thing. Right. Then there's uh, book... You can find books for free. Mm -hmm. uh, PDFs. 
um, videos if you're not into books. Right. So many different things that you can resonate with where you can actually grab really interesting bits of information. Yep. Now, is that in everyone's value system? Mm -hmm. No. But I wonder what kind of effect that'll have over time, like mm -hmm. incrementally, yeah. as people get more access to that information yeah. and they look for it. Yeah. Um, yes, they have to look for it. I yes, that's that 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 makes it. An no, I hear area. you. I mean, it's even still, it's way better than any sort of other area. And I think history's period, like in terms of learning. In terms, of, yeah, in terms yeah. of learning mm -hmm. and social influence. Yeah. So the thing is, if somebody can put something really like objectively that's good for the people that may bring more understanding right. and maybe make money for a bunch of people too. If, if that's like a big interest, a lot of people, for instance, uh, the reason why they would uh, start wars or issues with other uh, countries or territories well, or whatever. Well, the Illuminati bankers start wars. Um, so I don't know about the Illuminati <laughs> bankers part, but uh, bankers, I, I heard, yeah, I believe there's something going on. Uh, I believe there's... There's something going on with banks. I don't know. I, I, I They're forget. doing something, those bastards. The sons of bitches. The wrong child. You know what? Don't, don't, don't take me on that. I forgot. There was, uh, there's this guy, Andreas Antonopoulos, uh -huh. who uh, talked about, oh, uh, yeah, certain banks funding terrorists or something like that. Okay. Uh, JP Morgan. I forgot. I, I, you have to look it up. I don't know up. enough to say. I also uh -huh. don't know enough. I know the conspiracies with the theorists, as I knew back then, will tell you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, there are these books written about it. Here's the thing I've never actually seen actual sources from any of these books. Well, whatever. I'm not saying right, I'm right. buying into it. No, I I, actually, I'm sorry I even brought it up. <laughs> what was the main point? Right. The main point is. Um, yeah, I wish you didn't say that. So that made me go, okay, but that's my fault. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. Yeah, if, if we could get to a point where. Uh, we learn how to make um, the most, and this is, again, a value system-based thing, mm -hmm. but the most essential knowledge widely known, right. um, that would be very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So just before, obviously, we wrap it up, I do want to focus one last time on your point of social conditioning and how important it is, obviously, to maintaining or trying to maintain or excessively maintaining one's self-image. So I wanted to read to you guys a quote from Epictetus. And what's so crazy about this quote is I think you, this book was written, what, 1300 years ago i mean 1300 yeah 1300 wow holy shit so and it's like these problems i mean have been sort of um they perpetuated right it's like we still haven't found a resolution to them to sort of the excessive standard of beauty and so for epictetus right it comes from a feminist from a feminist perspective so for him he talks about how like the kind of the obsessive or yeah the obsessive and excessive obsession with beauty is sort of like more kind of feminine or more female oriented than it is masculine because of the way the culture is right because the greek culture at the time was obviously so male dominated that you know males could kind of like they're like ah, you know we could focus on developing our character because for us like you know we're the ones in control who cares how we look it's you guys women who should care about how you look because you're the ones who are supposed to please us so hold on let me just oh. so and i want to know what you would think about this so this is what epictetus said in his manual so he said females are especially burdened by the attention they receive for their pleasing appearance from the time they are young, they are flattered by males or evaluated only in terms of their outward appearance. Unfortunately, this can make a woman feel suited only to give men pleasure, and her true inner gives sadly atrophy. And I think this was something that I talked about before. So she may feel compelled to put great effort and time into enhancing her outer beauty and distorting her natural self to please others. Sadly,
sadly, many people, both men and women, place all their emphasis on managing their physical appearance and the impression they make on others. Those who seek wisdom come to understand that even though the world may reward us for wrong or superficial reasons, what really matters is who you are, who we are inside, and who we are becoming. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Right? I mean, yeah, uh, an emphasis on body image would just is a distraction from what may be more essential. What could what, be, right? Or it, what could be more yeah, essential, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I mean, it could be a distraction for what, what is or should be more essential, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And one thing that's cool about our society right now with the direction we're headed in and we've been heading in mm -hmm. is, yeah, by... Um, by highlighting this, th these aspects that we've kind of held so dearly for so long, tra these traditional ways of looking at men and women and yeah. all that, um, it's 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 important because we're actually finding kind of a way out of um, that old style of thinking. Mm -hmm. Now, um, could could I? Uh, we wouldn't be able to um, be able to explain this all right now, mm -hmm. but I'll say this that. I'm sure we could find an argument for why they did what they did. Why why were these the traditional ways of thinking mm -hmm. for that time? Mm -hmm. But um, it is important, right? Uh, if we put too much of an emphasis on body image, the inner gifts will atrophy. You, mm -hmm. you, you don't even get to display them so mm -hmm. much. Right. And because we're kind of now creating this uh, new uh, society where you could kind of uh, you can express yourself in, in newer ways than mm -hmm. before were uh, a little more taboo, oh, yeah. right? It It's interesting to see what else will come, uh, not just from males, but also from females, yeah. what what uh, gifts they'll give to the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in general, to his main point, body image, yeah. again, we've said it however many times during this episode, right. it's it's not so important to concentrate on right. it. There are so many things that are way more important and you can still adhere to some sort of an image, yep. I suppose, and try to build yourself up. But to put an overemphasis on it is, is where the pitfall is. Yeah. And that's, that was, that's the point of what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. All right. We have come to the end. Yeah. So, so plugs and stuff. <laughs> Where can you guys follow us? Right, so you can follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on YouTube, on uh, Instagram, on Facebook, yep. and at Seize underscore Podcast on Twitter. Yep. Uh, we're also on Google and iTunes, uh, yep. working on getting on other platforms as well. And also, if you guys follow us on YouTube, I mean, well, if you don't follow us on YouTube and you watch us on YouTube, please make sure to hit the bell and subscribe. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And also follow our guy, Vegas Media Designs, at Instagram. He's the one who takes care of all of our pretty much visuals, everything that we do, the clips, the little videos that we have on Instagram. He does all that stuff. He's a really, really, really talented artist. All right, guys. It was fun. And until next time. See ya.